This water sucks. Niagara <laughs> bottled water. Holy cow. You're, you fall, fall into the dark side, Zach? You're drinking bottled water on me? Well, that's what, that's what they gave me at the front desk. Because they're doing renovations to the damn hotel. It said, don't you dare give me a bottle of water ever. You give me my own personal Brita filter while I'm here. Brita filter. <laughs> Glass Brita. Because <laughs> I don't want no plastic. None. <clears throat> okay, we, should we kick this thing off? Yeah, sure. You want to do the intro? You want to? Yeah. Well, welcome back. <laughs> yes, sir. Welcome back to Poison for Profit. My name is Zach. I'm Nick. And we've got another great episode with new articles this week. Looking forward to talking about this stuff. Good new topics. Absolutely. Great new topics, I would say. Uh, anything to add, Nick, before we get into it? I'm ready to jump right in. All right, let's go. So starting off, we're going to be looking uh, at the investments of Florida. So Florida recently has pulled $2 billion from an investing firm known as BlackRock uh, in the largest anti-ESG divestment. Uh, so a lot of those words, I'm not going to lie, I didn't know either. <laughs> like what is ESG? What is, I mean, even divestment, it's, it's a lot of financial investing words. Um, but just to break it down, uh, ESG is a new type of investing that's becoming pretty popular for a lot of new investors. It's the environmental, social, and governance criteria. So the real basic explanation of this is a set of standards for a company's behavior used by socially conscious investors to screen potential investments. Uh, so what they do is they look how um, how this company performs as a steward of nature, how the relationships uh, are within the company, so between the employees, suppliers, customers, community, and then lastly, how the company is governed itself. So uh, not... Yeah. <laughs> So this is still like investment banking stuff, right? Right. Um, and I, I, I know about this because I just looking at the job market for like environmental, um, like manufacturing especially, but you know any major corporation, ESG is like this very new, or relatively new, but very uh, seems to be very hyped up at the moment um, because it is this type of capital-based um, new development, right? Exactly. Uh, so it's kind of like, I think of it kind of as a greenwashing tactic. There yeah, are quite a few uh, cr critics of ESG for sure. Yeah. Um, but 
I think there's obviously going to be some bad ESGs and some good ones. Um, obviously, it's all to make money at the end of the day, so who knows really what's good or bad there. Um, I at least, I don't know financial advice here, but I think at least if you're going to do investing, at least you're putting some criteria out there towards uh, the companies that you're looking into. So I think it could be a potential good thing. Um, yeah, I think it, it's <laughs> it's kind of like the bare minimum, right? The right. bare minimum of trying to be a good person. It's like you can be a real piece of shit, but if you hold the door open for someone, you might feel good oh, about yourself. Better. At some point. Yeah. yeah, and that's a good point, Zach, is that yeah, this is the bare minimum of <laughs> good investing. And Florida is basically saying, you know what? You're doing far too much for the environment. We do not want <laughs> any investments that are even remotely seen as environmentally friendly so we're gonna divest from you and complete uh, wait is that so is that what's going on blackrock is they have good for the environment they they are they just provide an esg service a lot of the newer investing firms are doing that and a lot of these republican backed states uh like because of the because they have an esg uh, it doesn't even mean that Florida was invested in this particular fund or anything like that. They're just wow, that's crazy. <laughs> they're just like, well, you might take other people's money and invest it towards the environment, and we're not standing for that. <laughs> I yeah, so I was like, because I know BlackRock is like a pretty bad actor in a lot of ways, like in the housing market, definitely. Um, but yeah, I was like under the impression that this article was, (laughs) was like something good Florida was doing somehow. And I was, I was going to joke about like Florida actually doing something good for once, but this is crazy. It's like, they're trying. Yeah. 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 So like BlackRock's trying to blend in with all the other, this is like a woke corporation. Like uh, fighting back at the woke corporations for Florida type thing. Seriously, that's funny. Oh it God. is. It's ridiculous. It's just absolutely <laughs> crazy. Um, and yeah, like I said, it's not even that Florida's assets were invested in these. They're just like, ooh, you guys decided to do ESG. Yeah, we're gonna have to take our money somewhere else. That's crazy. Yeah. So uh, they're not the only state that's doing this. They're just one of the few states that are Republican-controlled uh, that are starting to move their assets this way. So others being like Louisiana has just moved $794 million, uh, and $500 million was also moved by Missouri uh, away from BlackRock as well. So again, just because of these ESG um, concerns they call it um so it's just to be i again like you said it's their esg i'd say do your own research on it but uh, to me it's like zach said it is kind of a greenwashing effort uh it's the bare minimum that they can do for your investments oh yeah and i just i only say that because a lot of companies are hiring like sustainability personnel only to boost ESG like kind of perspectives, right? Right. It's just a way to market themselves to younger investors that are more concerned with the environment. 
at least somewhat what I can tell. Uh, right. Again, obviously, there's some good eggs in there, and there's some bad eggs. It's how everything is nowadays. Uh, but yeah, I just thought this was a pretty <laughs> interesting uh, article. It's basically Florida saying, "Oh, well, we don't even want uh, our our people to even think that we care about the environment. So please <laughs> get our money out of this place." Yeah. We- we would like our, our investment money to just be burnt. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wonder what they're going to move that money to. Fucking coal or something. <laughs> right, yeah. They're just going to straight invest in coal. They're going to have a yeah. stockpile. <laughs> yeah. Invest in Racism Incorporated. Basically. They'll just have barrels <laughs> of oil <laughs> sitting around. Yeah, not too much else to say about that. I just thought, you know... Yeah, that's a fun little article. I like it. <laughs> it is very interesting. Uh, I do look forward to looking into some more ESGs um, and seeing what maybe some have to offer. I think it is a decent idea, but right now it does seem like the bare minimum. how far beyond cop 27 we are and i know i said before it was even over that i never wanted to talk about it again (laughs) uh but i'm bringing it up again and i'm uh bringing up the loss and damage funding that was agreed upon at cop 27 and who should pay let me just begin by kind of describing what this loss and damage fund is based on the idea that the world and in particular wealthy countries should pay into a fund to aid the uh, what I'll call you know developing and underdeveloped countries for lack of better terms at the, at the moment uh, that aren't able to avoid or adapt to the effects of climate change um, which I think you know, it's fair enough, right? You just, and I'll get into it, but you need to know who's actually putting that money in, right? Um, but other issues with this agreement is that there's no real consensus on what constitutes loss and damage. So it's possible that, you know, there's some effects of climate change that wouldn't even be included in this, maybe some extreme weather events. Uh, it probably wouldn't include loss of biodiversity um, to the to the effects of climate change. You know, it's just, it's just not really all encompassing at this point. Yeah, I can it imagine that's pretty hard to make a determination on uh, as to exactly or, what they're going to include. Or yeah, to to get a consensus on it of mm-hmm. people who or of countries that are going to be willing to invest towards you know these these types of phenomena right like i'm sure wealthy countries are going to try to skirt some responsibility when it comes to the damage that's being done to these economies and these people right um yeah so there's a there's a report that in the last 20 years climate change has costed uh 
55 select vulnerable countries, an estimated 20% of their GDP. Uh, so like one fifth, I think that's a pretty huge number, right? And uh, another study says that by 2030, losses could reach $580 billion per year. Wow. Yeah. And it's from like, like this is from climate change, right? The effects of climate change. The, the uh, countries that are not contributing the most are going to be negatively affected the most right so yeah exactly. i mean it, it's just so i this is i mean a very good idea for how to you know create you know whatever whatever it's just transition i think is, is what the un calls it but uh, but again you need to know who's paying and then you have to make them actually pay for it right right uh you can't just say the richest countries have to pay for it I think, you know, in my opinion, you have to go actually to the source of the issue, right? So the UN Secretary General uh, actually proposed a windfall profit tax on fossil fuel companies, which I think, you know, it's in the right direction, definitely, to to go straight to these companies that are not just, you know, polluting, not just driving climate change, but profiting from it. Right, so go right. directly to them, and, and what do make you them mean pay by for these windfall? Uh... So, yeah, windfall. Let me see if I can get the proper definition. Sure. So, a windfall profit is a sudden and unexpected spike in earnings, often caused by a one-time event that is out of the norm. Um, so, so she's or he is asking for a pretty serious tax, then. Well, yeah, when it comes to it's, it's, yeah, so it's not like a consistent thing, right? Um, it's from basically industry wide, you know, price hikes or, or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, spike in demand, things like that, uh, which happens. I mean, there's always, it all, it seems like every four years, right, with, with the election cycle shit like that happens so uh, but the, you know the bigger point is it's the right thing to do to go to these companies but it needs to be focused on their production their emissions how much they're driving it right um, right I don't really like the idea of it uh, just being windfall taxes windfall profit taxes mm-hmm. um uh, it should be based on damages, right? If it's a damage, loss and damage fund, make it based on that and then go straight to the source of the issue. I feel like the problem with that, though, is that the losses and damages of using fossil fuels and everything along those lines, is they just so they just are so much higher than the, the true profits that those companies are making. You know, like I, I would I mean, think... That- the costs and damages are way, way higher than any profits that they make. Which it's possible. I yeah, I don't really know and I I haven't really looked into what these profits are. Right. But, I mean the whole point is that like these countries are being destroyed, right? And then right, definitely. there's people in these you know, there's these rich people sitting in their boardrooms making money off of it. I don't know. I, I did 
it just i mean the, the, the point for me is that any seeking of payments to these companies like i don't think it should come from u.s taxpayers as much as it should come from the vast majority of you know industry that's causing it right i fully agree yeah there should be no reason that our, the taxpayers should be uh, shouldering the burden so like that way bailing is in, right it's another bailout profit. yep uh which i think you know if we're talking if the conversation at this point really seems to me like that's exactly what it's going to be though mhm uh i'm not very hopeful that there's going to actually be some kind of truly just solution because you know the only terms we see talking about are this country's doing this this country's doing that um and when we talk about this fund it's which countries are gonna pay for this right it's not countries right it's industries doing this yeah regardless of where they're operating or where they're based yeah that's the that's just the point i'm trying to make yeah i mean yeah, I have to just echo you. It's, I mean, it happens time and time again. The public has to shoulder the burden for the private companies to make a profit uh, when the private company should be the ones paying for the damages that they cause. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the fact that this is coming out of COP27, I don't <laughs> have much hope. I think it's kind of destined for the trash bin like everything else that comes out of COP meetings, I guess. France has officially banned some of the routes that are between uh, a few of the cities in France. Uh, If they have an existing fast and convenient uh, train that also does that route. Uh, So these are bans on commercial flights uh, over three different routes, uh, all out of Paris and then to uh, three other towns. Uh, as long as that there was a train that could reach that route within two and a half hours or less. Uh, so pretty, I would say, pretty exciting move by France. Not something that you see any movement for really anywhere else. Uh, the article obviously highlights the uh, a much, I wouldn't say bigger source of pollution but bigger problem with pollution is the private jets that are doing much more polluting per passenger uh, than the commercial planes but I feel like this is a step in the direction to getting some limits on those as well at least in France oh that's exactly what I was gonna say I was like, all yeah. right man I mean that's good yeah like if there's train you know high-speed rail to where you're going that's one thing yeah it's like private jets i don't know i feel like maybe that should have come first but this is good yeah well yeah the 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 thing is is i'm sure is i'm sure you can think of why it's yeah the private plane anyone has a private plane or jet they can fight and say no (laughs) if we're you or me it'd be oh okay i guess we can't fly there anymore i guess we're gonna have to take the train 
Yeah. Um, and I, I'll tell you, I would much rather take a train than a, a plane anywhere if it's like if it's same. reasonably. I yeah. So you know, I'm traveling now. Yep. Uh, the whole this whole like air travel. I mean, it's just such a hassle. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm sure, like everybody, like a lot of people feel that way. But it's like, you go get on a plane, and then, like, I can't remember the last time I had a flight actually go smoothly, or like from boarding the plane to onboarding or disboarding, whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh, like this, the last time, like we sat at the gate before takeoff for 40 minutes because they're. A pull tractor wasn't working. I was like, "Oh my god!" It's not even an issue with the plane. It's just so inconvenient. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Well, and it's the whole thing too. It's like, oh, it's only an hour flight, right? But yeah, realistically, you're there at least an hour ahead of time, and then by the yep. time, yes, it's an hour in the air. Then you land and you slowly get to your gate and then you have to disboard and then you have to go find your luggage if you checked bags and catch your ride or catch a taxi or a bus or whatever it might be. So Yeah, flying sucks. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I would much rather have a train that can just easily hop on, hop off, don't have to take my shoes off through security and get felt up by TSA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... I do like, though, in this article, the the government spokesman for, I guess he was pretty, I must have been heading this up, uh, had a quote that the French should not have to feel as if it's always the same people who are being asked to make efforts. Uh, so ba- what he's referencing there is uh, that they're trying to also get these private jets to have some restrictions or taxations he also went on to say the um we can understand that a frenchman who is careful in his daily life is shocked by the fact that some of his fellow citizens can take a private jet to make a to make flea jumps just referencing the short quick little trips that they do in their private jets um but yeah he's uh, he said that he was also looking into heavy taxation and restriction for the these private jets but i mean i'm you know as well as i do that this kind of talk for private jets is i i haven't ever heard of anything such uh so it seems like they are moving in that direction next again kind of like the last article i'm not holding my breath uh because they do have the money to fight if they you know they can pad someone's pockets they can push for a politician that's gonna be more lenient towards private jets or whatever it might be yeah yeah i think that's an uh interesting point that he said a lot of people aren't really that would a lot of people would be shocked that private jets are kind of this prevalent um in these short flights and i think that's the case in the u.s also um especially like the Silicon Valley types, private jets are. So I don't know if you ever heard the report of, of like Elon Musk's jet use. No. Um, Where like for a while he was flying from Bel Air to Silicon Valley like every day. Holy crap. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, it's just like, and then, you know, these are the, also some of the people who a lot of people think are like saving the earth with EV, um, right. Technology. Like, okay. He's kind of, you know, breaking even when it comes to admission or emissions uh, <laughs> at, at best. Right. And then he's probably going way over it anyways. But like, how could that even be? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. I don't want to fly every day. Why would you in God's green earth do that? I think private jets are much easier to fly on, to be honest. I guess, so, but man, stuff, but. I, I think it's probably because I'm so big and I just hate flying because I don't fit in the seats very well. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Just no leg room. <laughs> right, yeah. No, but yeah, I mean, this is, it's good. These flights are totally unnecessary in France. Um, yeah, I'd say I'd like to see a similar thing in uh, more countries, but uh, po- besides Europe, I don't really see it happening in the U.S. because we don't have that train travel established. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but it could definitely happen. I could see something maybe in the East Coast where you know Boston and New York aren't that far away. There are some right. established trains already. You can take like the Amtrak and that. Uh, yeah but it's something to shoot for i would say it'd be interesting if a politician actually was making the comments that these french politicians are (laughs) in the u.s i can't even imagine The last article that I'm talking about today is called Addressing Climate Change Will Not Save the Planet. It's uh, on The Intercepts by Christopher Ketchum, and it was a really good article. Uh, so I would I'll link it in the show notes, but uh, I recommend anybody listening reads the full article. Uh, it's about this this misconception that fully addressing climate change and limiting, you know, warming to what 1.5 degrees Celsius or whatever is going to save the natural world um, based on the crisis of biodiversity and the point that uh, we're, we're in this crisis. Well, I'll just read the, the uh, excerpt here, but mainstream climate activism points toward a grandly hopeful end within the confines of acceptable capitalist discourse, which is decarbonization of the global economy with technologies driven by profit-seeking corporations subsidized by governments. Which is something that we talk about all the time, right, Nick? Yeah. Um, these, these technologies that are being developed by corporations are being developed to make money, right? It's a, it's a, it's a capitalist pursuit to mm-hmm. decarbonize the global economy like to solve climate change it's become this thing that you do to make money um and really like it says being subsidized by governments you're making money from the people who aren't even using your products right exactly it's <laughs> to make it so that they can exist which really is crazy to me yeah yeah so i mean this biodiversity crisis that we're in um 
I think a, a lot of people do believe that climate change is a major factor in that, and it's really not. In the in the future, it's you know projected that it's going to be a much bigger factor mm-hmm. um, in the distant distant future. But right now, what's driving it is habitat fragmentation and loss, um, over exploitation, agriculture, agricultural and industrial expansion and pollution. And when we talk about, you know, things like agricultural expansion and, you know, also about the, uh, decarbonization and, you know, profit seeking corporations. Um, I don't know if you've been hearing about this, climate smart quote-unquote agriculture nick have you been hearing about that no, i haven't heard anything so this is a big thing with like bill gates um oh. i'm trying to think bill sack is the i can't remember his first name but he's the department of ag secretary um they talk a lot about climate smart agriculture and what that basically means is no-till farming Mm-hmm. Uh, because soil, you know, does capture, sequester a lot of carbon. Yep. Um, however, no-till farming, uh, it really has no way to suppress weeds or anything, right? So it's also very dependent on pesticides, chemicals, mm-hmm. uh, GMO crops, right? Um, so when, when we talk about climate-smart farming it's also you know at the expense of biodiversity because all these things are driving biodiversity or driving the loss of biodiversity and then there's this you know i mean that that's besides almost besides the point but there's another study saying that pollination is more important to crop yields than pesticides are but we we all talk about you know how gmos and, and you know roundup combined with Roundup Ready crops is there to to boost yields, to protect yields. Uh, in reality, those things are costing yield, or, go, or at least going to cost yields in the future mm-hmm. when there's no pollinators left. Yeah, it's we, we get so hyper-focused on this is the problem, and we are very quick to overlook all the rest of the pieces of the puzzle. Yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. And, and well, I think these other issues that we're talking about right have taken a back seat to this climate conversation habitat fragmentation over exploitation industrial and agricultural expansion all these things are either seen as you know not even related to the climate crisis or have taken a back seat at best but you know these are not all that separate things, right? Some of them are even driving further climate crisis. And I, I want to be clear, I'm not, we've been talking about the climate crisis earlier in the episode. That's very important to address that, right? Right. Um, but it's not going to solve these other issues that we have. It needs to be, we need a, we need a holistic approach um, of basically sustainability of, you know, protecting natural resources, things like that. And um, focusing, hyper-focusing on climate change is not going to do that. Yeah, I can't agree more. I feel like, like what you said, a holistic approach has never been 
seemingly taken for a lot of these issues. It's like, oh, uh, you know, the the weeds are here, just for agriculture example. We need to spray these pesticides. No one thought how those pesticides were going to affect the bees that are pollinating your crops. So it's just, yeah, we I, I can't stress enough that if we can actually start looking at things as ecosystems and rather than single, you know, single problems uh, and actually find solutions that work with the ecosystem and not tear the ecosystem apart. I think that's what we really need to be focusing on. Yeah. And the article mentioned some other, you know, I would say, I would say in my opinion, smaller issues that are related to what they call uh, like the development of affluence um, things like air travel, air conditioning, uh, meat in the diet, things that I, I don't want to say are all inherently bad, right? But most of them have been done in very unsustainable ways that are contributing to this biodiversity issue. This, the, just for example, eating meat, you know, I eat a lot of meat. I won't say that like <laughs> people shouldn't eat meat, right? Um, but the demand for meat goes way up. So you have to, you know, bulldoze more, you know, forests or whatever, like they're doing in the Amazon to create room for, uh, crop and livestock. It's just these kinds of things that, you know, that like that one specific example, you know, not only does it destroy this sink for carbon, it you know, fragments and it destroys habitat for, for biodiversity. The The situation right now is very grim. And even uh, the director of U.S. Fish and Wildlife under the Obama administration is quoted in this article saying that the, the field of conservation biology is losing badly and there are almost no reasons to be optimistic. Um, and I, I mean, like that's an Obama official, right? <laughs> Like, uh, that's not really what Obama's administration is known for, I guess. No. Pessimism. Um, But it's like, it's bad, man. The last point I want to make is like when we talk about solutions being holistic, right? Mm -hmm. Um, To to address climate change and to also address biodiversity loss, um, you have to look at things and think about things in different ways to keep both of those things framed right so talking about like energy and green energy we know that gas and oil it's terrible in terms of climate change right and i think it definitely needs to be phased out like quickly um but on the other hand wind and especially solar energy take up so much space um which drives habitat loss which is the main thing driving biodiversity loss you just have to understand what you're sacrificing i guess to to solve these issues and and try to keep it equitable i don't have the answers but it's just something like the the public should understand right and i think yeah there's just to end it i just feel like it just hopefully people start to start to think more holistically towards these approaches like wind and solar. Yes, that's great. 
but maybe we need to think about oh the wind turbines can we deter the birds from flying into them in any way solar is there any way we can make it so you know you build the solar panels up and it's still some sort of habitat for animals underneath i don't know uh just like you said holistic approach um we don't have all the answers i wish we did um but even if we did i don't think we'd be listened to uh, but i just yeah it's just like you said something people really should know and start thinking about got a surprise article oh boy let's see it so this is something i i thought would be kind of fun it's um just because i don't want to find this many idiots of the week i'm gonna do (laughs) idiot of the week and not maybe do it each episode but okay name is a work in progress donkey of the day (laughs) (laughs) but uh recently a tiktok influencer was fined for hitting a golf ball into the grand canyon she also threw the golf club into the grand canyon (laughs) just a fucking idiot (laughs) why well she did for cloud exactly it's all for a video it's so stupid um of course she posted it all over her tiktok uh, NPS, of course, picked up on it and uh, find her. Um, I want you to take a guess, Zach, at how much they find her. Uh, $150. Oh, pretty good. Uh, $280 is what they... The, I mean, the, well, we don't know the exact amount. It's not disclosed, but they said that that is what the fine can roughly reach. So <laughs> she might have gotten less, but it's just, like, sick. So, I mean, who knows who was below where this golf club was flying down yeah, to. Yeah, like, people are walking <laughs> through there. And just... Yeah. Uh, listen, um, um, I can't share... I, I can't share my opinion on, like, what I think influencers and you know tiktok stars deserve <laughs> otherwise we'll get deplatformed <laughs> if anybody Ooh. listens to this um but yeah i mean like like i'm laughing but it's not funny what she did it's it's just like i'm laughing at how dumb you are i don't even want to say her name just to like keep it so it's not that you know i don't want to booster anymore not that our platform is gonna do anything for her because we're so small but uh well like that's such like imagining watching that video i even have a reaction to it it's such a stupid idea for a video (laughs) right yeah like like there's nothing uh entertaining about it or cool about it no it's just a stupid video yeah it's so stupid but, yeah, I just thought we could uh, laugh at stupidity a little bit as a good ender. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she deserves worse than $280 fine. I'll say that. I wholeheartedly agree. But, you know, hopefully they can use that 280 to, I don't know, get, like, a nice sign that says, you know, don't be a fucking idiot. This isn't a golf uh, range or something. <laughs> I don't know. Or banner from the park for life. Something. Just a say f you a little bit but yeah 
Well, that's all that we have for this week's or this Tuesday's episode of Poison for Profit. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, again, we're always pushing for uh, some comments, some questions, topics that you'd like us to, to cover at our Twitter at at poisoned the number four profit on Twitter. Uh, also, the email is poisoned. Is it also the number four profit? It at is Gmail? the same Gmail. Uh, Gmail? They'll be linked. They'll be linked in the show notes. Um, so if you if you listen to this podcast, there's no reason that you shouldn't be following us on Twitter. Agreed. Okay. Yeah, and if you could do that, uh, we're just gonna push you to you know leave us a review. Even if you send us something, then you say, "Oh, I like this." I didn't like this. That's cool, too. We don't expect everything that we do for you guys to like. Uh, just trying to make this a great podcast for everyone that listens. Um, and then also, maybe if you find a, I don't know, we got to think of a good name to call it. Donkey of the Day, Idiot That's of like the Week. That's like a breakfast club thing, yeah. Yeah, so think of a good name. Maybe help us come up with a name for that. Uh, yeah. Enviro terrorist of the evening. Uh, evening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let us know. Um, yeah, that, uh, that kind of rolls off the tongue. But yeah, if you got any suggestions, definitely send them. But thank you all again. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Florida is pulling $2 billion worth of state investments managed by BlackRock. Uh, over its commitment to a woke agenda and ESG funding. Governor Ron DeSantis says, uh, said back in August that he wanted the state to stop considering the, quote, ideological agenda of ESG investment. Dagan, your thoughts? I do love this because I've told my Larry Fink story before on this program where I went to meet with him in 2008 and I was told that I was not impressive, that I didn't impress Larry Fink because I didn't smooch his butt enough. 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 His butt enough.